get it. Monday, June 22nd, 2020. Born the Battle. Brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. The podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. We are here. Episode 200. You know, I feel like I just took over for the previous host, Tim, back in episode 135. But it's been almost a year and a half. Where does the time go? It, do- it doesn't feel like it's been 65 episodes and some and change with some bonus episodes. But here we are. I genuinely love spending time every week with you. And I'm happy to just keep this ship sailing for you. Got a great interview for you this week. And if you're tuning in, looking at the title of the episode, and you're saying to yourself, but he promoted a benefits breakdown last week. I know. And that's why I dislike promoting stuff ahead of time. Because things change, like the vet resources email folks will spontaneously move to an all-female veteran focus the week of your 200th episode. And we're going to support that because we got one heck of a female veteran to feature this week. And we want to ensure that next week's episode receives the same level of attention because that email gets blasted to over 11 million veterans. So we're going to flip 200 and 201 around, and it will probably be a long time before you hear me promo a future episode in an episode and jinx myself. Some new ratings, no new reviews this week, womp womp. I do appreciate any ratings, but especially those reviews on Apple Podcasts and subscribers across all platforms as they help us gain visibility, which allows more veterans to discover the interviews and resources in this podcast. Okay, news releases. We got two this week. First one says, for immediate release, VA Video Connect visits increase 1,000% during COVID-19 pandemic. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs recently announced that telehealth appointments using VA Video Connect increased from approximately 10,000 to 120,000 appointments a week between February and May of 2020. This increase of 1,000% is attributed to VA providers and veterans taking precautions against COVID-19. VA Video Connect allows veterans and their caregivers to meet virtually with their VA care teams on any computer, tablet, or mobile device with an internet connection. It is one of the largest and most successful digital health platforms in the nation and currently enables more than 25,000 virtual appointments, including mental health appointments each day. VA is also taking strides to bridge the current digital divide for veterans who lack the technology or broadband internet connectivity required to participate in VA telehealth services. More than 26,000 cellular-enabled tablets are currently being distributed to veterans across the country. SafeLink by TrackPhone and Verizon are also allowing veterans to access VA telehealth services without incurring data charges. Due to increased demand during COVID-19, the VA is rapidly expanding VA Video Connect, allowing more veterans and VA care teams to connect by video. During this time, veterans using VA Video Connect with limited data plans could temporarily experience data charges. While cellular carriers are taking measures to support veterans during this period of expansion, veterans with concerns are encouraged to contact their carrier. For more information on VA's telehealth services, visit ConnectedCare, that's all one word, ConnectedCare.va.gov. Okay, and the second one says, for immediate release, VA and GoTo Foundation for Lung Cancer partner to improve outcomes for veterans at risk of lung cancer. 
The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs announced recently it has partnered with the nonprofit GoTo Foundation for Lung Cancer to increase awareness about lung screening options and improve outcomes for veterans impacted by lung cancer. This partnership allows for VA and GoTo to leverage resources, programs, and services available through GoTo Foundation's national network of more than 750 centers of excellence. VA diagnoses 7,700 veterans with lung cancer each year, and an estimated 900,000 remain at risk due to age, smoking, and other environmental exposures during and after military service. This partnership will also provide VA with additional resources from GoTo Foundation to help support lung screening program implementation, professional development training, and veteran education. Many of these GoTo Foundation resources are available online and support social distancing guidelines designed to reduce the spread of COVID-19. For more information, I've got two sites for you. Uh, for more information on the online resources, visit GoTo Foundation with the number two. That's gotofoundation.org forward slash four hyphen professionals. And for more information on VA health partnerships, visit va.gov forward slash health partnerships, all one word. All right, so it is the episode number 200. It's a big milestone for us. As you know, we've spoken to veterans from all branches, and we together have learned so many aspects about the veteran community and some VA benefits and resources along the way. And to commemorate that milestone, we got a super guest interview for you this week. You know, if you know if you listen to Jan Ostrom's episode way back on 145, it's pretty obvious that I grew up a fan of wrestling's Monday Night Wars. However, when I joined the Marine Corps back in 2003, all that kind of faded a bit. But I always kept a pulse on the behind the scenes because, man, if you ever take a peek behind the curtain, wrestlers, you know, especially the ones I grew up with watching in the 80s and 90s, they had lives. You know, they made the big hair bands, rock star life look like a kindergarten. And recently, there has been a resurgence in the popularity in wrestling due to a new promotion and a new weekly primetime slot on cable television. That program is AEW, and our guest is an Air Force veteran who recently signed with the promotion. She is Air Force veteran Ariel Johnson, a.k.a. Big Swole. Enjoy. First of all, Ariel, uh, thank you. For coming on the show uh for some reason i never find enough air force veterans to come on on born the battle so i mean i'm a marine veteran so i got i know plenty of marine veteran friends never enough airmen um <laughs> so, so thank you for coming on I, I gotta say i saw your debut on dynamite but i had no idea that you're a, that you were a veteran oh yeah it's like a little personal secret feels like <laughs> no but aew was all was was right on the ball to be honest uh, i sent them a random email to their media relations in the middle of the night um, asking if they had any veteran wrestlers or anybody in the promotion that was a veteran. And I got to say, they were, they were very quick to respond. They were very accommodating and they recommended you right away. Awesome. So I left my job. Absolutely. Um, now I heard them mention on the broadcast of your last match and I wondered uh, that you were a veteran, that you're an air force veteran. And I, and I was wondering, I was like, what did that, did they do that on the account of us asking if they had a veteran on the roster? No, no. They were asking me uh, just about different things beforehand for commentary. So, you know, that's one of the first things they always say. Oh, well, I'm a veteran. Got you. Very good. Very good. Now, I'm pretty sure that you've been on other wrestling podcasts, but is Born the Battle 
Are we the first podcast to feature you because of your military service? Yes. Yes, you are, actually. All right. I love scooping the community. I love scooping them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I saw that you're from Florida. Is that where you call home? Yes, yes. I'm from Clearwater, Florida. Tampa Bay fan, Jags fan. Any college teams, or is it just is it just wrestling? Well, I'm a big uh, Gators fan. Okay. I was a huge uh, Tony Dungy fan. So when he actually left the Bucks and went to the Colts, I like pretty much followed him in fandom. And then when he retired, I, I stopped picking teams. Got you, got you. Well, as with every veteran, Ariel, uh, there comes a time when you know that military service is the next step. Of course, you know in earlier generations, they people were were drafted. Not everyone chose to enlist. Um, Ariel, when did you know, first know that the Air Force was your next step in life? Well, when I graduated uh, high school, I, uh, I necessarily didn't want to go to college. I did my first year because my mom really wanted me to do it. Yeah. But I remembered promising her when I was younger uh, because she wanted to go to the Air Force, uh, but she didn't have anybody to push her to follow her dreams. Yeah. And so I was like, right, I'll go to the Air Force for you. And I made like this big promise about it. And, um, and she's like, yeah, girl, sure. Whatever you, you won't do it. And when I was like, well, what do I want to want to do? And I was like, well, I want to go to the air force and I want to want to work on cars. I want to learn how to do a trade. I want something a little bit different than just books and everything. Yeah. So after senior year, I was like, nope. After first year of college, I was, I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. Wow. So you, you, you kept a promise to your mom. Oh yeah. Any, any big promise that I've, I've told her I've, I've kept and it was only like really three big ones. Wow. So I only have one, one more left. Oh yeah. What's that? Take her to Greece. Take her to Greece. Okay. Yeah. She always wanted to go. I was like, one day mama, I'll, I'll get you to Greece. Oh, you were on your way to that. Um, what year did you enlist in the air force? Uh, it was 2008. So it feels like forever. Yeah. Now you were, um, a fire truck mechanic. Now, it, yes. that was the vehicle management designator that you were assigned to. Was it fire, like fire truck? Do you know, most motor T or vehicle mechanics I knew in the, in the military, you know, worked on in the, in the motor pool, either on Humvees or seven tons. Yeah. How did it specifically come, become fire trucks for you? Well, when I was looking at the jobs uh, with my uh, recruiter and he was like, you can pick any job you want. And I was like, well. I want to work with them. I want to work with my hands because I've always been like that, like taking apart door um, doorbells and stuff, all that stuff, and working with cars with my stepdad. And so I was like, well, I want to be a mechanic. He's like, well, you can work with fire trucks. And I was like, that's awesome. That's great. And he's like, you get to work on the flight line. So he pretty much sold, sold me on it. He's like, you have to learn gas engines first, and then you go on to diesel. And I was like, well, that's two birds, one stone. Mm-hmm. Now in the Air Force, is that a specific MOS just for fire trucks? Or is it part of the like motor T and then they say, Hey, in school, they, they put you out towards like a specialty vehicle. It's a specialty. Um, I had to go to uh, a Naval base, uh, Port Wainimi mm. in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a, a, a shared base and I had to uh, train with them and learn with them and then uh, go into a separate fire truck class after like my first eight, eight or so weeks learning gas engines. Joint joint environments are a fun place to learn, man. I don't know about you. I I was in. Oh, a, yeah. I was a public or uh, combat camera, and I did a joint school with all four services. I, it's just cool to see a different slice of the military outside of your own service. Oh yeah, I I never knew how good I had it. Like my grandfather, he <laughs> uh, 
he was he was an 06 captain in the Navy. He was like, go to the Air Force. <laughs> 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 and when I got stationed at a naval base and I realized like how many times they have to go out there and do dress and and march and, and swim. And I was like, this is, you guys want too much. <laughs> like I understood why they called us the chair force. I was like, I get it. I get it guys. I get it. My, uh, my brother is an airman. Uh, first he was in the army. Then, then he went in the air force and, and now he works for the Marine Corps as a civilian. I told him he finally joined a real branch when he got out. But, but, uh, you know, when I was 17, the first base I ever saw was the plush life of the air force at Travis Air Force Base. And I was like, cool deal. You know, the military life might be good for me too. And then I turned around and joined the Marine Corps. You know, uh, right. <laughs> um, I was I was going to join the Air Force with my best friend, uh, JC, but we had a, and we had a gentleman's agreement to go on the buddy system together. And then I broke that agreement, joined, mm-hmm. bumped, jump into the Marine Corps. And then he ended up joining See? and getting stationed in Virginia Beach near me. And I visited him and it reminded me how good the Air Force had it in, ter- in terms of like, you know, base amenities and. Yeah, it- it's the perks. <laughs> uh, while you were in, who was either your best friend or your greatest mentor? Uh, my best friend was Stephanie Holiday. We had our like our own language, and we would just talk to each other, and it would annoy our like our TIs and everything. And we would just have so much fun going to the beach and just partying. And it was just a vibe. Like we were in training together. Yeah. in California and then we ended up getting stationed at the same base at uh at Seymour Johnson in uh Scholesboro, North Carolina. Like did what was what was your best memory with Stephanie? When she first got there, we were talking and stuff and she was like going going through a lot of different things and everything. And I'm Christian, so of course my my natural response is to talk about God. Yeah. And um she ended up you know, becoming Christian and, you know, turning her life over and everything, everything started to get better for her. And we went and got matching tattoos. And uh, it's one of my favorite tattoos on my body. And it says faith Hebrews 11 and one. Mm. And uh, basically it's, you know, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Mm. So I just kind of like, not necessarily drilled that into her, but that was like her big message that she got out of it. So one of my favorite ones. Got you. Yeah, you guys got something that you'll have together uh, forever. That's right, that's, right, yeah. that's awesome. You still get you guys still talk? Yeah, yeah. We we still message each other and everything, and um, and she's like still in the military, still in the Air Force. Oh, she's still, still in. Got you. Got you. Yeah. Now, um, you know, at Seymour Johnson, did you have any deployments? Did you guys get, did you get out of the base anywhere? I didn't get a chance to. When they were about to send me out, uh, it was when my Crohn's disease started to act up. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't go because of all of like my flare ups and everything. Got you. I, I saw that in your feature that AEW did, uh, you know, the, the get to know swole, if you will, um, <laughs> I, doing my research, you know, um, you talked about some pretty deep stuff in there and, and you shared that, that deeply personal story about Crohn's disease. Um, talk to me now, Ariel, my birthday is April 3rd. Yes. So that story caught my attention. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> talk to me about April 3rd, 2008. Well, that day I went to the doctors and I uh, I was complaining about my stomach hurting. And she said that, oh, we think you have ulcers. You know, take this medicine, go home. And you'll be, you know, 
we'll check on you and, and uh, do a colonoscopy and see where you're at. And literally, I got out of the office and um, and I went to go use the restroom and nothing but blood came out. Mm. And I went to my house, and my parents' house, and I was like, I just need to lay down, I need to sit down. And my dad looked at me, and he's, he's a pastor, so when he said these words, it caught me completely off guard. He's like, you look like death. And he's mm. like, you were pale white. And I looked in the mirror, and all of my color was just gone. Wow. And I was like, Mom, I just need to lay down. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Nothing like a nap can't fix. And she was like, okay, are you sure? And then she asked me again, and I was like, okay. You know, you ask somebody something three times, they're like, sure, whatever. Just get you to stop talking. <laughs> I was like, yes, Mom, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. And uh, I remember being in the back seat, and I remember just laying there still and having, like, one of those outer body experiences, my body just heating up, and, and next thing you know, I'm in the hospital. Like, I'm waking up, and I'm like, what happened? What happened? They're like, oh, we have to uh, get a CT scan so we can see what's going on. Yeah. They did the scan, came back, and they were like, ma'am, your daughter has less than 30 minutes to live. Wow. They said that my intest- my small intestines was swallowing my larger intestines, and there was a blockage, and my intestines was going to burst, and then from there, it was just seconds, and I would be Wow. And and so she's like, okay. So they prepped me in ten minutes. It was the I was like flying through the hospital to the OR, and they had to like just inject me with uh the, like the medicine to uh to like stabilize me and stuff and, and put me to sleep. Yeah. And and I remember just going to sleep and I was like, okay, it's like, all right, well, I don't know what's gonna happen, but we'll see. I wake up. And I have tubes coming out of my nose. I have, two, like, I have catheters. And I was like, what happened? <laughs> and the doctor was like, well, we had to take out about a foot and a half of your intestines. Like, you actually have Crohn's disease. And they were like, it's hereditary, so we don't know who you got it from. It's like, whoever it is, they gave it to you. And usually this, this disease is found in, like, kids and infants. Yeah. So apparently it was laying dormant for all those years and then spiked. (laughs) Like as soon as, so I had like 18 years of like, yeah, I'm good. I can eat whatever I want. It's great. But it was like a buildup, like a ticking bomb. Wow. Then I was like, I was laid up in there for about two weeks. And yeah, my parents call it the other birthday since they had to pretty much revive me back. Um, after pretty much flatlining in the back of my mom's car. Yeah, it's, it's, it's scary to think about, but I'm so grateful for like my experiences and, you know. Yeah, that was, um, you know, that's one of the most uh, extreme cases of Crohn's disease I've ever heard. I, I, I got a, a friend from high school that has Crohn's disease. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like you went through some, I mean, that was, cr- that's crazy. Oh yeah. It's the highest form Crohn's disease. I think they call it toxic metabolism. Got you. Um, now there's a lot of veterans out there that are facing medical ailments. Um, you know, maybe being told by, I mean, 
you're now a, uh, you, you've been able to turn that around and become a professional wrestler, you know? And I think that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, but there's a lot of veterans out there that are, that are facing a medical ailment and maybe they're being told by doctors and professionals in their industries that they can't do certain things. Were, were you ever told that you couldn't do something because of this disease? Oh yeah. Um, literally after my surgery, I was told that I wouldn't be able to, um, do any sports, any like high contact, high impact type sports. Yeah. Um, I, the likelihood of me having a kid was like slim to none. They were like, nope. Just it's not possible because of the stress and because of my belly and where they put the incision and stuff. So I was just like, um, I don't believe in those words, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you have a kid? I do. I do. She she just turned six in December. She's my little my little joy. Adesim. So in your feature, you said can't should not be in your vocabulary. Oh yeah, most definitely. You should, you should never limit limit yourself at all. What should be in your vocabulary? Discipline. Because, I mean, I tell people all the time, uh, you're not going to be motivated, but that's why you have to be disciplined. Discipline is a whole different thing. <laughs> Got you. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. It's like when I was getting in shape and when I was trying to, you know, be a wrestler and become a superstar, I was like, there are people out there that are going to want this harder. They're going to. They're going to train for it. He's like, you can't use anything that's going on with you as a crutch. You can complain. I can, I can complain all day. I think every, you know, I think that we get that from when we were junior enlisted. Like, Lance criminals and, and young airmen are just made to complain. Yeah. Like, I complain all day, but I have to have that discipline to continue to keep going and continue to keep striving. Mm-hmm. You know, there's somebody out there that's going to be waiting on me to fulfill my dreams in order for them to get the encouragement to fulfill theirs. Yeah. So it's like, you think about that. So many people are literally depending on you to fulfill your dreams. Why not just do it? Absolutely. 100%. Now, did you have to go through all this while, because you said that you joined the military in 2008. Did you have to go through all this while you were in the military? My Crohn's disease? Yes. Wow. I had, I had three, I think three or four, Three surgeries while I was in the military. Was it a for my Crohn's disease? Was it a, was it a contributing factor as like a reason to get out? Uh, yes, my Crohn's disease started to uh, have big flare-ups to the point where I couldn't do any of my duties at all. Like they had to put me on like light duty, and I couldn't lift anything that was like over ten pounds. And having the back-to-back surgeries, they were just like, okay. Look, I think it's about time for you to, to exhaust. And and forget forget about being deployable, whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. No uh-huh. chance. No chance whatsoever. I mean, they didn't get me out of doing the exercises. Sure. Which sucks still. <laughs> <laughs> sure. They're like, oh no, tw- twelve hour shifts. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, oh, light duty. Um, you know, you can't do crunches, but you know, you can run. Or you can, you know, they'll, right. they'll figure something out. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You can run. You can, you can pack wheel bearings <laughs> and do oil changes. There's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> but it helps you develop that discipline a little bit. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Um, so you got out in 2012, if I'm doing my math right. Uh, 11, 10, sorry. 10. 2010. Gotcha. Was it, was it, was, so you did, what, a two-year stint. Was, was Crohn's disease like a medical like uh, you got out because of a medical reason? 
Yes. Gotcha. Uh, by Crohn's disease. Um, and then, you know, my run sheet's super long when it comes to my medical history. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. Um, now, what was it like to get out at that time as a transition from, from going from the military life to civilian in that time? It was, I guess, unsettling to a point where I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. See, because I have like these things I have to check off like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I was like, I knew the last thing on my list was to be a wrestler, but I was like, I was not in the headspace to go there and pursue it. Yeah. I was like, well, I just, I'll find something. And I just ended up working at GameStop, like as a holiday hire. And I ended up staying on board because I just loved games. I ended up like, I ended up falling in love with like all my professions. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm, <laughs> Hey, uh, Xbox or, P or, or PS PlayStation, which one do you do? I play, I play both. Both of them. Okay. What's your, what's your game of choice? Uh, actually right now, graphic wise, PlayStation four, uh, because like Assassin's Creed Odyssey is beautiful on there. It's something about a visually striking game, like just makes me so giddy. I'm, I'm very happy about that. And Breakpoint, been playing a lot of Tom, uh, Tom Clancy. Breakpoint. Now on my Xbox, I love my racing games. All my sports games are on there, okay. uh, like Hitman. Okay. Uh, of course, Gears of War. I, I literally have like a life-size retro Lancer in my house. <laughs> That's like, awesome. I'm like years before fanatic. Yeah, like it makes all the sounds with the chainsaw and everything. Yes, like, <laughs> yes. I uh, I play Madden right now. My uh, that's how I keep in touch with a lot of my military friends. We have an online franchise, and then uh, oh yeah, and then Call of Duty Warzone. Madden was like the first game I ever played. Yeah, yeah. It's so the rule is you can't have your favorite team. The team has to be rated under an eighty, and we play in online franchise mode. So you have to build. Ooh. Yeah, so you have to build. A crappy team it could be the browns it could be you know just that's great though mm -hmm. it, it keeps them from just picking all the heaters mm -hmm. and you can only do like four trades a year i can get into it but yeah that's i mean yeah so you went to gamestop you, you so you're like kind of like living out my dreams a little bit on on the game side too <laughs> um so how did you how did you get into wrestling were you a fan growing up how'd you get into it when and where oh, did you get your training Yes. Um, I was always a fan of wrestling. Um, yeah, living in Clearwater, just everyone was there. It was just like a little hub of wrestlers. I didn't know that at all. It was it's crazy. Like, they just lived in Bel Air and in the little subdivision. And it was just insane seeing, like, real-life wrestlers just walking around with their dogs. Or they're fascinated because you can do a kickflip. <laughs> you know, <it> <laughs> I mean, were you were you just walking by some and just like, yo, check this out, boom, and then like bust something out or what? How, I... Yeah, it was at the, it was at a skate park, and literally, Macho Man, like, how did you do that? And I'm like, uh, like this. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is it's amazing. So you're just kind of like spoiled at that point, you know? No, no kidding, right? So when I started dating, um. Cedric, uh, he was wrestling and training over at High Spots in Charlotte, North Carolina, under uh, number one George South. Yeah, and he's literally, like I said, he's literally the best, best trainer. He's he knows his stuff. He's proper, and he always has great stories. He's just a lovable guy. Mm -hmm. And when I started training with him, I felt so comfortable and I felt so crisp. You know, 
you felt like you're just getting the right stuff. When something's right, you feel it. Yeah. And then plus, every, everybody would bring their kids to George. Like, here, George, teach them something. Now, indies starting out, that can be a tough road. You know, we, uh, we've had an independent wrestler on Born the Battle before, uh, Jan Ostrom, who trained out of California uh, and actually trained with Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, and others. Um, I personally randomly, randomly when I was in the Marine Corps, I, I traveled to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I was going to pull security for a wrestling show outside of a car dealership. Only the ref didn't show up, and then I had to become the ref. Which gave me an appreciation, oh. <laughs> which gave me a, like a going from security <laughs> to ref. It totally gave me an appreciation for w- what refs do because, you know, I was 20 years old and I had no clue what I was doing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know that indie wrestling can be a tough road sometimes. It is. Oh, it, it's completely tough. It's, it's hard getting on that road and you're driving so many hours just either for exposure, $50, Mountain Dew and a hot dog or... <laughs> <laughs> You're just exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about your journey to AEW. How'd you get off? How'd you go from indie to AEW? Well, uh, at the top of the year, at well, top of the uh, year in 2019, I started pretty much my journey to get into shape. And I, I kept feeling like, oh, there's, there's something coming. I don't know what it is. But, you know, I have a saying, if you know, you stay ready, you'll have to get ready. Yeah. So... As I was preparing myself for whatever it was, um, I knew I had uh, a title match for uh, the Rise Championship in Toronto uh, for the, the summit. It was like a thing where they combined Shimmer and Fatales and just a whole bunch of people just into one. Smash Wrestling. Okay. And I won my first championship there. And I got my hand raised by Bull Nakano. And me thinking that this was my moment that I was preparing myself for because she's never done that before. So I was like, this is, this is an amazing honor for myself. Yeah. And, and the next thing I know, I'm, I'm about to have my first title defense in Chicago at Berwyn Eagles. And I get a message from Brandy. She's like, you're going to be in Chicago doing this time, right? And I was like, oh, yes. You know, because they were having all out during that time. And yeah. she's like, okay, um, I want to book you for this battle royal. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I guess this has turned out to be a good weekend. <laughs> no kidding. How did Brandy get your number? Was it through a network through Cedric or? No, or... no she just DM'd me. Like she literally just. Wow, very cool. Message me. I was just like, hey. And this is when I went through a change because I was trying to decide whether because I was still being called Ariel Monroe. It's like in Big Swole, which is like a nickname. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think it's. I kept, it kept feeling it. I was like, it's time to cut it off. Cut off Ariel Monroe's time just for Big Swole. That's it. That's all you're going to be. Yeah. And as soon as I changed it, boom, next thing you know, here comes the Battle Royal. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I'm in this Battle Royal with my friends. I got Little Swole, Nicole Savoy. I got uh, Mama Swole, Mercedes Martinez. And it was just amazing. Like leading up to that day, I was so nervous. I was like, got this, you're ready. Like you're in shape, you look great, just go out there and show and prove. Yeah. And I remember in the middle of doing it, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm just gonna bop, bop, come in, do my stuff. I come in, do my thing. I hear the crowd chanting, and I'm like, is that for me? No, I said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> 
Was this at All Out? <laughs> yeah, this is. I'm in the middle of the ring with Nyla, <laughs> getting my stuff. I hear them chanting, Big Swole. Is that? I was like, Is that for me? I hit the ropes, do my move. Nyla says, Yeah, girl. <laughs> 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 and it was like biggest pop. I'm like, oh my gosh, they know who I am. I'm not too. <laughs> oh my gosh. So was that the moment that you realized, yeah, I can do this for, uh, on national level for 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 a career? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Well, as as myself, as visual, it gave me complete confidence to be myself. Yeah. I think the the very very first time was I had a uh, I had a uh, enhancement match against Nia Jax on uh, Raw. Okay. And I was nervous because of all the people. Now I performed in front of masks before, but that that was when I was dancing. Yeah. But this was different. <laughs> okay. What'd you dance and, back? Did you dance in like high school or something? Yeah, I danced in high school and a little bit in, in college and um the hip hop, tap, jazz. Tracking. You know, a little bit of ballet. Yeah. Tracking. And uh right. <laughs> but this is different. Yeah, this well, wrestling's a little this different. Is, this is, <laughs> This was a little different. Yeah. I felt it then, and I was like, I can do this. And then in that moment, went all out. I was like, oh, yes, I can do this as myself. Yeah. So your moniker is, is Big Swole. To you, yes. what is Big Swole? What does it represent? It always looks like you're just having like a great time. You know, to me, it just <laughs> looks like you're just having just like a great time out there. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, it, I break it up. It doesn't just mean old muscles or anything like that because I'm fairly slim. Yeah, I'm not but, fooling anybody. Yeah, you know? but, you, but, but you got but you got muscles though. I, hey, hey. Yeah, I got you know I got muscles. I got I got, I got enough. Yeah, I'm muscle passing at this point. Muscle passing. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> no, it's a big personality and swole mentality. Which basically, the swole mentality is everything in my life is grand. It's big. Um, everything I, I put 110 percent into it. I give it my all. Like in my faith, I go all out, and you know, in my wrestling, I try to go all out in everything. I give, I try to give all of, it. and that's like what the small mentality is. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Um, Keep it. Go, go big. Got you. Now that that match at All Out was that the moment that I saw in that feature where Kenny Omega basically offered you a contract backstage? No, they were they uh, they kept bringing me back for different matches. Yeah. And when I had my first singles match, it was <laughs> the craziest thing about it is that how serendipitous everything was is that it was in Charlotte. <laughs> wow. And and out of ev- all the places on the car that I could be, I was the opener. Mm. And so I felt the pressure and I was like, this is in Charlotte. And I knew who was in the stands. I had like I had fans in the stands. I had family in there. I had like my best friends and I had the people who would always say that I would never do this or I would never get out of Cedric's shadow or that I was not meant for this or would never book me. Really? I knew that they were there. And I was like, this is my proving moment. Yeah. I went out there with Sheeta and I had a blast. I had a great match. It was, it was over went to the back and I was like, Oh, they're filming something. Let me be quiet. <laughs> you know, trying to be respectful. <laughs> you know, like I'm out of breath. I'm like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Okay. Let me just be quiet real quick. I'm just walking. And then Kenny just walks up to me and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's okay. Yes. Yeah. Great. We're doing something. <laughs> right. 
I was like, oh, this is for me? Oh, for me? <laughs> and I guess the best part about it, like outside of it being Charlotte, and I guess the cherry on top was that Hangman Page. I've known, I've known, I've known TV for eight, eight, nine years. Yeah. And I remember him when he was just like a little flat chested, skinny, country boy adam page <laughs> you know very quiet you know he loves his mama's biscuits yeah yeah <laughs> you know very quiet man and like till now seeing him grow as well and and he was one of the first people i saw after the cameras cut off well oh, the cameras didn't cut off it caught me and i was like oh stevie and i grabbed him and like i hugged him and it was just it was like that moment where you're just like, this is where I belong. I'm with people that I've known for almost a decade. I'm with people that are friends and family. No one has egos. Yeah. It was, it was perfect. <laughs> now that was a very cool moment to see on, on the, on the screen there. Um, and it's cool that you didn't even expect it. You didn't even expect it. No, not at all. That's awesome. <laughs> so what's next for Ariel big swole hole? Um, what are your next immediate plans? Now you talked about Sheeta; she's the new champ, right? Uh, and the feature that I saw, I saw that you wrestled her. Uh, is she on your radar? Radar? Is there another feud that you're looking to settle? She's she's definitely on my radar, but the immediate person, the person that is immediately in front of me is Brittany. Uh huh. Brittany Baker. Uh huh. She is number one on my list. Once I squash her after she comes back. Then I will move on to claim the AEW Women's Championship. But first, I got to get rid of her. I dig it. I dig it. Um, what? So, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. You know, Swole, what is one thing that you learned in service that you apply to what you do today? Um, to, honestly, just excellence. That's, that's basically what the Air Force really just taught me, just excellence in all we do. Mm. You know? The commitment to excellence. Yeah, it's service before self. It's it's taught me how to humble myself and and truly give. You know, mm -hmm. it, it also allowed me to understand different things in, in different environments because you know it's very male dominant uh, when you're a mechanic. Absolutely. So it taught me how to work in certain areas where you have the clubs, you know, or the in the, in the circles. <laughs> Very interesting. I have never heard that answer before. I asked everyone that, and that's a very interesting answer based on your perspective as a wrestler too. Mm -hmm. You you can correlate both of those that yeah, they're male dominated, but I'm breaking it. But I'm but I'm breaking in. Like, look, I'm not just some quiet person. Like, no, I'm here. I have a voice, and when I come in there, it's a whole different show. Like, oh, Swole's here. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why like, here's the party. Literally, Matt. Right. Literally, Matt Hardy, he calls me the Swole Lease. He's like, the Swole Lease is here. So I just like walk around. I'm like, Swole Lease is here. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Swole, is there a veteran nonprofit or individual that you've worked with or have had experience with who you'd like to mention? Uh, yes. Um, I, I'm not, not going to say his first name because I don't want to like get him out. But his it's, last name is Green because, you know, we always call each other by our last names. Yeah. Um, Green was a it was a dear friend of mine, and him he only got into the service because his parents were lifers. His brother went to the service as well. Yeah. And uh, his brother ended up passing away um, from IED. Uh, 
stepped on it in front of him wow. on deployment. So he's he's always like the person I think about the most when I think about uh, the military and my time and my service is that uh, how how the, the effect it can have on you know because they say when they say they mentally break you down to build you up you know so you can be stronger than ever and just the fact that he went through that he, and he's still okay you know yeah he still has his head on his shoulders he got the necessary help and tools and stuff to make sure that he was stable. Swole, mm. yeah. so, is is there anything else that I might have missed or that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share? I would say keep smiling. My dad, he tells me that a lot. He always tells me, keep smiling. And for a while, it was always annoying. But it wasn't until I got the gist of it. No matter what happens in your life, perspective, your output is how you react to it. You know, you have to keep smiling. You have to endure through. You know, don't let anybody tell you how your life is going to go. You know, because no matter what any doctor or physician says, it's not set in stone. If you have faith in it, if you can will it to be it, then it can happen. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care, specialty care, mental health care, and women's health specialty care, such as advanced breast and gynecological care, maternity care, and infertility treatments. At each of the 168 VA medical centers nationwide, a Women Veterans Program Manager is available to advise, advocate, and coordinate care for women veterans. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 1-855-VA-WOMEN or 1-855-829-6636 or contact the nearest VA medical center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. For more information about benefits and other services for women veterans, visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. I want to thank Swole for spending time with us here on Born the Battle. For more information on Swole, you can find her record and standings at alleliterestling.com forward slash roster. And you can find all her socials with a quick Google of Big Swole. Before we get into our Veteran of the Week, you know, here at Born the Battle, we have a small platoon of virtual student interns. They do a lot for this podcast, from writing blogs, booking talent, uh, transcribing podcasts for those with disabilities, writing social media posts, creating promotional videos and graphics. Uh, the list goes on. They allow me to focus on the content and the 10,000-foot view. Basically, I couldn't make this podcast function at the level that it does without them. So with the summer coming, we lost many of our transcriptionists and two of our blog writers who worked closely with me. Michelle Cannon, who was a graduate student at Liberty University studying professional writing, and Hyung Oh, who was an undergraduate at UC Berkeley studying public health. They were just a big help throughout this past school year, and I will miss them very much, but they are moving on to bigger and better things. So to them and all of our interns who left the DME internship program, a big farewell and following seas.
We will soon be hiring again. So if you're a student and want to write for this podcast, visit dmeinterns.org. We have an army of interns that work on all kinds of stuff for the VA social media teams, including the podcast. From content production to graphic design, website design, social media analytics, uh, HR even. Uh, they have an HR team for their, for their own program. All kinds of stuff. And again, the call for applications will be soon. So if you're a student and you're looking for an internship, check it out. That's dmeinterns.org. Our Born the Battle Veteran of the Week comes by way of our VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our writers over at blogs.va.gov honor a veteran, and then they share that story all over our social media platforms. They do a great job over there. You can submit your own Veteran of the Day by shooting them an email to newmedia at va.gov. Our Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is Army Air Force veteran Frank Wenzel. Frank Wenzel originally hails from Cleburne, Wyoming, and in 1941, he left to join the Army Air Forces to fly B-17s. While serving overseas, Wenzel was part of Operation Crossroads, a pair of nuclear weapon tests in the Bikini Atoll in 1946. Wenzel took part in the Baker test on July 25th. According to the Department of Energy, the Baker test yielded explosions equivalent to 21,000 tons of TNT, detonating 90 feet underwater and wreaking havoc on a 74-fleet vessel of empty ships. During his service, Wenzel received an American Campaign Medal, a European-African Middle East Campaign Medal, a World War II Victory Medal, and overseas service bars. He left the Army Air Forces in 1946 as a captain. Following his military service, he worked on Project Mercury, which was NASA's first man in space program. The program made six manned flights from 1961 to 63. Wenzel now lives in Freedom Village Retirement Home in Lake Forest, California. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, he has only seen family through glass. Wenzel recently celebrated his 100th birthday on June 14th. Captain Wenzel, thank you for your service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up, and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcasting app, not a phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veteran and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. Thank you again for listening. Thank you again for getting us to episode 200, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care.
All right, cool. I'm going to end the podcast episode right there. But I have, sometimes I do what's what's called a after the show show, just for lack of a better name. I just, that's what I call it. <laughs> so like after, after the music, after the interview, after the better of the day, after the music, if you're still listening to the podcast, sometimes you get a little bonus, right? So right. is there any story that you might impart as like a little little bonus, either in, in the, from their military stories or from wrestling stories, a little oh. little. Uh, I have one. All right. It was uh, it was from boot camp. Uh, <laughs> we had a uh, sister brother flight because we were a uh, band flight. I, I played the snare drums. Okay. And um, of course. Uh, <laughs> During this time, they, the TIs always tell you, oh, don't talk to the boys, don't talk to the girls. He told the guys, don't talk to the girls because it's like real cheese. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, so, and so one night, um, there were some people in the Bay Area uh, having, uh, having sexual relations, and they got caught. Oh, wow. And the the TI, they were like, stop what stop what you're doing, stop you you're all in trouble, you're all you know getting written up, blah, blah, blah. you're all you know going to the nine one three or whatever it was. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you're, you're, right, you're you're done. Up in that you're, frog you're, voice, you're, you're, getting, you're, you're done. <laughs> right, you're going you're going back to zero week. Like, oh, oh man. And yeah, right. And so, and so, but this one guy he wouldn't stop, so they couldn't touch him. <laughs> and and when it was all said and done, and they were in the uh, they were in the uh, the office, the major's office. He was it was like, what? Why didn't you stop? What what's wrong with you? And, and you guys <laughs> and could the, hear all this outside guy, or something, right? Right. <laughs> the guy goes, <laughs> the guy goes, well, he goes, trainee so and so reporting for duty, sir. It was my first time, sir. <laughs> and the, the deafening silence. It was like, oh. It was like, well. Uh huh. I understand, well, kind of. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It was. Everybody went, well, I, I get that. All right. Well, you're still in trouble. <laughs> so he got. <laughs> so the. So the other guy, he went back to zero week, and then the first timer, he went the second week because it was remorseful, and they were like, "Well, wow. we're not going to kind of fault you for that." <laughs> but it was it was so bad. I was like, "That I will never forget this, ever." 